Hi, I'm Alex Attili. And I'm Sarah Stoffer. And you're listening to Spilling, Spilling the, tea the Tea with CCE. This podcast features fellows at Hofstra University's Center for Civic Engagement as they talk about a wide range of topics from current events to social movements, as well as issues that affect our daily lives. From healthcare to mental health, nothing is off the table. This podcast was created in spring 2020 to continue the conversations we had on campus in a virtual way. And we're so happy to have you here spilling the tea with us. Even though Hofstra's CCE is back to running in-person programming, we had such a positive experience with this podcast that it is now a permanent part of CCE operations. Now, let's spill the tea. Hello, and welcome back to Spilling the Tea with CCE. My name is Bella, I'm a senior fellow, and today I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Sarah, I'm a junior fellow with the Center for Civic Engagement. And we are going to be talking today about COVID-19, um, the regulations that are in place now, and, and how they differ from past regulations, and also the effects on Hofstra campus and um, the students here at Hofstra. So at the time of recording, we'll be talking about the current regulations in New York State uh, on our campus here at Hofstra University. And of course, those are subject to change from recording to release. Uh, so we are just going to give things as accurately uh, as they are right now. So I'm going to start by recounting quickly the regulations in New York State and how they're changing. On February 10th, the statewide indoor business mask or vaccine requirements lifted, which means that businesses are no longer required to ask customers for proof of full vaccination or required that masks be worn at all times. It was already set to expire on the 11th and would have required renewing. So instead, it was just left to expire. There's a separate mask mandate for New York schools that's set to expire on the 21st, which will be after this episode is aired. So you will already know the decision, but at this time we don't and we're not sure uh, whether it will be renewed or not. State regulated facilities that host large groups of vulnerable populations will keep mask mandates. That includes nursing homes, childcare centers. Uh, and the New York Times actually reported that this is this easing comes from a part of a loosely coordinated effort alongside other uh, democratic states like New Jersey, California, Connecticut, other states like Delaware, Oregon, who have all announced similar decisions. It also comes as the surge of Omicron is beginning, beginning to fall from an, an initial height of 22% positive rate, a weekly average, to just over 4%. But despite this, the CDC is currently recommending masking in areas of su substantial transmission, which New York State is considered. But outside of all of these new things, all New Yorkers five and older should still get fully vaccinated. Eligible New Yorkers should get their booster dose. They should get tested after traveling and before seeing family. All travelers, domestic and international, should follow all CDC travel requirements. And New Yorkers who don't feel well should stay at home and wear non-cloth ma cloth masks and wash hands regularly. So all things that we are hopefully used to at this point. Awesome. Yeah. And obviously some of those regulations are, or all of those regulations are being taken into consideration by Hofstra um, staff and administration, the people at Hofstra who are um, creating the regulations that are specific to our campus. So I'll just kind of go through the 
regulations that are in place now here at Hofstra as of the time of recording, which is... So we're recording on Wednesday, February 16th for context, for a little bit of context. So as of now, all students and staff must be um, vaccinated and boosted. Um, sports spectators can be maskless. Um, there's no eating um, in K90, KN95 Masks are mandated in classrooms and inside buildings when not eating. Hofstra's president, um, Dr. Susan Poser, sent an email to the student body on Monday, which was February 14th, um, and shared an update with regard to mask regulations, stating that, quote, we must decide how to balance the current health risks of COVID with the recognition that neither the government nor the university can mandate masks forever. So as per her email, as of February 12th in Nassau County, the number of infections per 100,000 people was 94.8% drop since the height of the Omicron surge in early January. Um, on the Hofstra campus, the first two weeks of surveillance testing reveals a positivity rate of 0.3%. Uh, um, and this new development with regard to the new loosened um, mandates are part of a multi-phased approach to a less restrictive masking policy in the future. And so some of those new guidelines are, again, like I said, um, sports spectators being able to be maskless. Um, students who live in the residence halls are no longer required to wear a mask in common areas in those residence halls, um, given that if you're living on campus, you're supposed to be vaccinated and boosted anyway. People can eat anywhere on campus now, except for in classmates in, and in the library, not just in the uh, designated dining areas on campus. Masks are still required everywhere on campus, including inside academic buildings and in classrooms, as well as the library and the student center. And again, those masks can't be, they have to be surgical or KN95. Um, they can't be cloth masks. Um, and then there's also weekly surveillance testing that will increase from 8% of the Hofstra student population to 15%. So now let's, it's just time to chat about <laughs> how we're feeling and, and how conversations about loosening restrictions is making us feel and how we think it impacts the Hofstra community and the community at large. Where, where are your feelings right now? Um... My feelings about this are kind of, um, um, what is it, like, cautious optimism. Um, I really, you know, I want to stay realistic and, you know, keeping up with the news and the CDC regulations and all that, and especially since we're in New York and um, looking at New York regulations and um, positivity rates, but then also specific to the city as well as Nassau County. Nassau County is where Hofstra is located. So I think that I want to be realistic, but at the same time, seeing these rates fall um, gives me a little bit of hope that, you know, eventually we can get back to um, get back to normal on campus. I'm graduating in December of 2022, so I don't know if things will go completely back to normal before I'm gone, but hopefully for underclassmen, things will be able to get back to before before the pandemic, which they will have never known a pandemic-less um, college campus, which is, you know, hopefully they'll be able to experience what that's like. But at the same time, we also have to remember that 
positivity rates have dropped in years past. We've, you know, had two, we've had, you know, two springs and summers where, you know, restrictions have been loosened slightly and um, things have gotten worse once we hit, you know, the end of summer, early fall. And so I do know that every time we loosen restrictions, things are going to, you know, inevitably pop back up. And so it's just a matter, it's just a, a matter of how how do we balance getting back to normal but also in terms of long-range planning how do we avoid massive surges in another variant um, and I think that just comes from you know being sensible being smart being safe about who we're in contact with and when we are when we are wearing masks and all that sort of stuff so so as students this has impacted a large part of our college career do you want to reflect and share on how you as an individual and a student have been impacted by the pandemic or just your experiences living and learning through it? Sure. I have talked about this on a past podcast. Some of this I've talked about on a past podcast episode as well. Right now I'm in my second semester of my third year at Hofstra um, and I'm graduating a semester early which means December of 2022. So my freshman year was fall of 2019 and spring of 2020 um and none of us are gonna forget march 2020 none of us are now gonna hear march 2020 and not think about lockdown or what we consider lockdown um because we we didn't lock down but anyway so yeah um i got sent home from hofstra a week before our spring break um in march of 2020 my freshman year and I have, I was home for that March, or that semester, the rest of that semester, and I was at home for my entire sophomore year as well. And that had nothing to do with, um, you know, lack of regulations at Hofstra or anything like that. It had everything to do with the fact that classes needed to have a certain amount of, classrooms had to lower their capacities and the classes that I were taking were the ones that were moved online because either they were too big or they were able to be moved online so that way like a STEM class or something like that could be in person, um, which I totally understand. But so I lost half my college career um, because of the pandemic. Um, I was unable to participate in some of the organizations on campus that I was um, involved with at the same level that I would have been if I was on campus. Um, and I also, I, during the pandemic, I worked, <laughs> I worked two food service jobs. And so I did talk about that a little bit in a, on a past, on a past podcast episode. Um, and that was also a challenge because I, you know, I had to enforce mandates and restrictions that were set in place by either the owner of the restaurant or, you know, I'm from Maine, so these restaurants were in Maine. Um, these were mandates that either the Maine government set into place or Portland set into place. Um, and I had to enforce them and I was on, you know, the receiving end of a lot of wrath, um, a lot of angry people. Um, you know, used me as their personal punching bag because they didn't appreciate me telling them to put on a mask or that they couldn't come in if they were doing this, that, or the other, 
Yeah, that was kind of, and then you know I came back in the fall of twenty uh, twenty, the fall of twenty twenty one, and I've been you know experiencing, you know these newer um, regulations anywhere, except for my dorm room if I can help it. Yeah, that's kind of my whole thing. What about you? Yeah, well, I first want to just comment on the fact of not not only were you separated from the campus and the college experience but you're I just want to say I recognize the fact that not only were you separated for from I just want to comment on the fact that you're describing how not only are you separated from a true college experience uh, for so many years of your academic career but also the fact that at the same time you were on the receiving end of so much hatred and disdain from the pandemic uh, that not only is it your own personal journey to try and grapple with what you're losing, but you also are subjected to everybody else projecting it onto you. And that's a lot for a young person. That is a lot. We are in the growth stages of our lives. Yeah. And... I was also say that experience is not unique to me. There are a lot of food service workers out there who have experienced the same thing as I have or, you know, potentially worse. I don't know what anyone's situation is, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, and for me, uh, I had the privilege of one extra year of a normal college experience so I'll be I'm a senior graduating this year which means that I had a year and a half plus a bit of the spring uh, to have a true college experience and I think the thing that I'm recognizing now as a senior you look down the line at everybody in the years underneath you and I just feel this sense of like a lack of legacy in terms of when I got to campus the people who showed me the ropes the people that taught me about the culture of my campus community the people that made me feel welcome and integrated into the Hofstra family were upperclassmen Mm -hmm. it was seniors and juniors and sophomores that took me under their wing and taught me you know we call the student center the stew and even the smallest things like that just how to be a college how to be a college student yeah how to get integrated into clubs and find yourself and learn what professors are people's favorites and get in touch with a campus culture uh it's the upperclassmen and suddenly we're all returning to campus and no one's been there before yeah nobody knows where buildings are. Nobody knows what it's like to live on campus, to socialize on campus, to be a part of clubs in person. We're all starting from zero. And again, I have the, the lucky, lucky, um, you know, sliver of time that I got to experience before that, that I hope I can pass on. Uh, but all of us have been impacted in school. And I think the thing that I mourn the most is that lack of legacy from year to year. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you come back from that. I think about how, you know, hopefully 
when I'm gone and college keeps going for everybody else, uh, there will be a point where you can return to a more traditional college experience. But then who's helping shape that experience but students who have never had it before? Uh, yeah. So it's just mourning that, that lack of years, decades of experiences that have been passed down and what's going to happen to those experiences. Yeah. Hofstra and especially and other college campuses are going to have their cultures shift the minute that the people who were here before the pandemic leave because, like you were saying, there's, you know, the people who brought us under our wings and taught us how this campus works and the people in it work, their knowledge is lasts only as far as we can pass it down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these students, my class is the only class that has experienced even a tiny bit mm-hmm. of a pre-COVID um, campus. And that was only a semester and a half. So, you know, even I don't really have a ton to go off of because most of my college experience was in my bedroom in Maine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, college campuses. And there's also, like, that whole... There's a certain mentality when you're (laughs) in high school. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain mentality when you're in college. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students now, not talking about anyone in particular, by the way, just observations. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that many students now, they're still in that high school life mm-hmm. mentality because for either one or two years, they were still in their hometowns probably on their laptops taking classes in college, but still around the same people that they have been around for the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, if you moved in, it would be less than that. But anyway, um, you know, I don't, so there's also the fear of, like, is college culture going to morph more into high school culture if Mm -hmm. things don't get passed down or, you know, legacies aren't upheld? Um, Are the things that matter to upperclassmen are they gonna stay in place you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing and the one silver lining that I'm clinging to (laughs) is that at least it's also a great opportunity for students to shape the college experience and college culture into whatever they want because there's so many things that I love about the college experience and there's a lot of things that need improving so for those of you listening this is your opportunity. Uh, when things, as things start to improve, hopefully my fingers are crossed for everybody. Uh, take this as an opportunity to shape the new era. Of, sounds so dramatic. The new era of college culture. <laughs> uh, like I'm in a club, and students prefer meeting virtually now, mm-hmm. and that could be a new reality. Uh, and you have the opportunity to shape that precedent. Yeah. Please keep meeting in person. Please keep meeting in person. I, I love in-person meetings. I miss them. I hate jumping from Zoom call to Zoom call. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Zoom fatigue. And I was also reading something that said, uh, regardless of 
whether or not people have had physical uh, health impacts of truly being diagnosed with COVID and undergoing COVID recovery. But just the fact that we've all lived through a pandemic, uh, people are experiencing higher rates of brain fog, fatigue, burnout, stress. So regardless of the true health impacts of COVID, uh, we are living through a lot as a community in terms of negative impacts of being virtual for so long. But I know throughout this episode, we will continue to reflect on this, this balance of doing what we need to do to get through this as a community and keep mm-hmm. each other safe, but also missing what came before this. Yeah. I think the thing that's really struck me recently is that we're now saying years. I realize it's been years that we've gone through this pandemic but I don't when you really step back and think that it's been years plural it just really hits me in a way that I don't know how to really uh, summarize those emotions I think it's hard for us as young people and as college students uh, to kind of grapple with the fact that years of our life is a good chunk of our life so far Uh, and I don't think that's hit me yet at least but I think the one thing about these loosening restrictions um, before the email was sent out we were hearing whispers around campus about the fact that Hofstra was uh, reevaluating their policies and I think the thing that struck me the most in terms of being cautious and almost fearful was nerves that everything would be gone in one sweep that all of a sudden everywhere it would just kind of be up to personal discretion Uh, and I think that's really daunting having gone through two years of you know living through this and um, learning to wear a mask everywhere that you go and follow these guidelines to just think that it's all gone in one second even though sometimes it feels like not much has changed uh, was really scary so I, I was reflecting on some of my thoughts when I was initially under the impression that everything would be gone, specifically in the classroom. And some of those thoughts are the fact that, most of those thoughts center around the fact that the college experience is incredibly communal. I live in communal dorms, I have a roommate, my bathroom is communal, I eat in the student center where hundreds and thousands of students are eating every day passing through. I go to class where I'm sitting in groups of people. This experience is so much more than yourself and your personal decisions. It's also about the decisions of your peers uh, and how they're going to influence you. And I'm also incredibly lucky and privileged um, that I'm not high risk or particularly vulnerable. I don't have family members that I'm returning home to, but there are students where that's a serious consideration. Uh, There are students with high risk loved ones, with elderly loved ones that they might take care of, with young loved ones that they need to go home and take care of uh, that aren't currently able to get vaccinated. There are students living on campus right now that are high risk, and if they get COVID, it's not something that they can just quarantine for a couple days and not feel the impacts its life or death. Uh, and so for me, it's, it's grappling with 
the reality that every decision that I make impacts my Hofstra community and every decision that you make also impacts the community outside of Hofstra because I go into the community to go to Target, to get my groceries, to um, every, every time that you step off campus, the decisions that you make on campus are being <laughs> Every time that you step off campus, you have the potential to impact the greater community outside of just yourself and outside of the pride. Uh, and even though things are getting better, Nassau County was hit really, really hard by the pandemic. I was looking and the New York Times says that uh, Nassau County ranks the highest throughout the entire duration of the pandemic. If you look at the stats uh, for since things began, Nassau County ranks the highest in terms of positive cases per 100,000 people. Uh, so we can't forget that history of how brutally the community was hit. So I think it's stepping outside of myself and recognizing how every decision that you make on campus impacts so many more people. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. I think for me it's especially frustrating when people aren't, you know, taking the regulation seriously. You know, a lot of people now are feeling comfortable that they can, like, pull their mask down in the middle of class or, you know, especially when they're, like, coughing and sneezing. And I understand that it's flu season, but at the same time, it's also we're in the second year of a pandemic. Um, please cover your mouth and notice when you're coughing and sneezing. Um, but I think for me, it's frustrating to see that because my roommate's high risk. She... You know, if she gets, exp she's had COVID multiple times and both times it was not a, a good experience. Um, so I w want people to, people around her to be being safe so that way she is also protected. I think that's another thing too is people always talk about like, you can't make me wear a mask, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, if you're not wearing a mask, you're not just, oh, that's another thing. People always, you know, like, oh, it's my choice how much I want to put myself at risk. But you're not just putting yourself at risk. You're putting everyone around you at risk as well. And sort of that analogy, um, there was somewhere that I read this where, you know, like the argument, like, oh, well, you know, why do you get mad when I drive drunk? I'm just putting myself at risk. Like, you have airbags. Like, it's, you know, like, you have a mask. Like, you just wear yours. It's like, you have airbags in your car, in, on your side of the car. You have a seatbelt just wear your seatbelt and you have airbags like everything will be fine and it's like well my mask and airbags are only going to do so much if you're the one who's driving and you're drunk you know what I mean like that logic doesn't work if you put it in a dri drunk driving scenario and yet people use the same logic when they're talking about COVID mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to ask you about your experience with because you just came back from Amsterdam mm -hmm. um, so you're familiar with another country's regulations um, and how you know another country outside of the US is um, working to combat this pandemic um, so you know what was it like being over there and how does it differ from the US and the regulations and also just the general attitude of the public towards fighting us? That is such a good question, especially because I also went 
to school there. I was studying at the University of Amsterdam, so it's also a comparison of two different mm. uh, universities and their own policies. And uh, I think when I first got there, it was very startling because mask wearing was not common practice and I was terrified. You come from the US where uh, not only have people been heavily impacted, but it's also been politicized. Uh, so not only is it the right thing to do, but many people might have associate political or ideological associations with mask wearing. Uh, so I got there and I was like, what is happening? Uh, it's it's a it's a lot to take in, but I think the and I I think a lot of countries in Europe were when they started seeing decreasing cases were quick to uh, loosen restrictions, and it's kind of exactly what you said. Like I watched friends that were studying abroad in Denmark when they announced that COVID was no longer present at all or an issue at all, and I'm sorry that I'm forgetting the exact terminology for that, but they basically, everything was open. It was like COVID didn't exist there. And as we're seeing now, it's not the case, uh, but they were very quick to open up again, and uh, globally, I think there's a desire to return to normalcy that's been impacting decisions, but I think the biggest difference that I saw was when Omicron hit and the responses of those countries because although they were quick to open, they were even quicker to close again. Amsterdam went into full lockdown in December. Full, and at this point it had been slowly happening. Things were closing earlier, things were closing altogether, so it started with 8 p.m. curfew, 5 p.m. curfew. Uh, then certain places weren't open and then finally in December every full lockdown which I've never experienced before as an American I don't think we've at least where I've uh, spent my time in the states I've never experienced that before everything was closed except for supermarkets and pharmacies for limited hours and it was I was very impressed to see that faster reaction and people are very respectful of those guidelines. Um, and also just the accessibility of testing. I was hearing stories from friends at home that you can't get self-tests, you can't get uh, N95 or KN95 masks or surgical masks or the costs of them are astronomical or you can't go and get tested uh, by a professional. And I did not experience that at all in Europe. Uh, Self-tests were readily available. The University of Amsterdam gave them out to students for free. They gave ma masks out, hand sanitizer out, sanitation wipes, uh, all free, all accessible. Uh, at no time was it ever a struggle to get tested. I was able to get tested professionally for free uh, with no wait. Uh, and it was just so different. Vac vaccination records are all kept through QR code, so it's also a much more sophisticated system uh, for managing vaccination records and negative test records. It's all electronic, uh, and it's all universal across all of Europe. Um, and as soon as masks went back on, people were incredibly respectful of that. So it's just such a different... 
I think globally, I noticed a desire to loosen restrictions, but when countries recognized that it wasn't possible and we weren't through the thick of it like we thought, uh, their ability to organize was completely like blew what I had experienced at home out of the water to a point where I felt more scared returning home than staying abroad, which most people wouldn't assume. They'd think, oh, you're, you're in a foreign place, you're, you're not at home, wouldn't you want to come home and sit through this at home? But I was feeling much safer there uh, than I did coming back here. Yeah, I I would assume that I <laughs> I wouldn't want to be here um, right now. Um, no, but that definitely makes sense. I think you know, in a lot of other countries in the world, there's you know the correct may I add presumption or what is it presumption? Is yeah, that the word that I'm using. What am I trying mm-hmm. to say? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think that was the right word. Presumption sounds <laughs> There's the correct uh, perception, mm. knowledge, that this is a global, like, health crisis, right? In the U.S., there is the perspective of this is a political issue. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. has a real problem with this, right? We politicize mm-hmm. everything. We make mm-hmm. everything a political issue. Um, and that's, I think that's a large reason why we're not getting, you know, the testing or anything like that, because our government isn't capable of making the decisions that are, that would be most helpful for people who are in the general public who are, you know, testing positive or they're in high risk situations or, you know, they're in an inner city and don't have the resources to, you know, buy masks you know a pack of 20 kn95 masks for 25 dollars like sometimes that's not possible for people that's not like a reasonable request for people um you know or they don't have the money to drop on a at-home test um i think that i think both administrations have been incredibly problematic when it comes to solving the pandemic Um, The current administration in the U.S. right now, I am more forgiving of only because they have inherited a lot of problems from the last administration. I understand that a lot of the problems we're facing now are not due to the current administration. It's all just kind of, you know, the past administration kicking the can down the line. So... But, yeah, I think just a lot of other countries, a lot of countries in Asia were doing the same thing. They obviously have much different government systems, and a lot of the government systems they have in place, I'm not a fan of. However, sometimes they are a good thing. Sometimes having that increased surveillance on um, the general public is a good idea because, like, I think it was Singapore, maybe, who shut down so fast or they didn't shut down at all and they were able to get that's what it was they didn't shut down at all and they were able to get their positivity rate down um to almost zero in the space of like a few months and i'm talking about still in 2020 they were able to do that um but yeah i also remember being in february in 2020 
like watching the positivity rates go up in like Suffolk County, which is right next to Nassau County. Um, and you know, being scared, everyone was talking about, you know, not coming back from spring break. And we ended up getting sent home a week before spring break. Um, so, you know, I just, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but. I think you hit on something really big that somehow the pandemic has been politicized, but also individualized, which I think is one of my, my big things now with loosening restrictions is everybody argues that it's an individual issue and individual decision, but everywhere, particularly on a college campus where nothing is individual, (laughs) (laughs) the, the decisions we make to get through this, we need to make as a collective and as a community, Mm -hmm. uh, because exactly what you've been saying this whole episode is your decisions impact Mm -hmm. those around you. And if you sit just for a second and you reflect on your network, people used to call it the COVID bubble on college campuses. You can't have a, like a, a bubble. You can't because I think I'm sitting here and I have my roommate and my roommate has her best friend and her boyfriend and I have my friends and my boyfriend and they have the people that they go to class with and the people that they work with and the families that they go home to uh, and yeah. it's it's not a bubble it's an it's a network and we're all touched in some way by that network mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a really good point it's you know the same thing with I'm gonna keep like using you know examples that people have heard a thousand times because again the logic still this time the logic still applies last time with the whole like drug driving thing you can't you know what I mean mm-hmm. you can't use logic that we've been using in terms of masking and you, if you apply it to drunk driving it's the same logic but you apply it in a different scenario you understand why that logic works this time the logic does work in this other scenario which is you know like when you have sex with someone you've had sex you have sex with everyone they've had sex with mm. like it's the same thing you know what i mean like everyone has um like i'm sitting here right now with you mm-hmm. and like you said you have roommates and your roommates have friends and all that sort of stuff and then you know, you have the people that you go to class with, and then the people mm-hmm. you go to class with go to class with other people and mm-hmm. have other friends and other families. You just don't know. <sighs> this sounds really bad. You don't know where these people are coming from. That's but what you I'm also <laughs> you don't know where they're coming from. But also, you don't know how at risk these people are mm-hmm. or the people around them are. You know what I mean? Like I could have a classmate with a grandmother who's extremely high risk and they go home to that grandmother because they're a commuter and the grandmother lives at home with them. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know. Um, it's not being afraid of the people that you're around and how at risk they're putting you at, but it's also keeping in mind you could be putting someone else at extremely high mm-hmm. risk. Um, so mm-hmm. just be safe. I don't know. Like, that's yeah. like... And I want to throw in there that another fellow, Sanjita, is uh, intending to write a blog post about being a high-risk college student in a pandemic. So please follow us on social media and pay attention to the blog to read a truly first-hand account of being a a student that's at risk. uh, Because I want to reiterate the fact that as fully vaccinated and boosted uh, young people 
there's a common misguided belief that, you know, you could just sit alone in a room for a couple of days and be completely fine, but that is completely ignoring the lives we've lost, the lifelong health ramifications that people are facing now, and the fact that you could be sitting next to a student in class who would not survive getting COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And you need to take care of that person and our community just like you would take care of anybody because uh, it's not just about us anymore. Um, yeah. Community, hitting on community is extremely important too because we are in, um, hold on. I just want to make sure we don't accidentally pause this thing. Um, hitting on community is really important because we are at Hofstra on the Hofstra campus, an extremely privileged community. We are um, extremely privileged if you think about, you know, the lives that we've led that have been able to lead us to a four-year private institution. I think that is extremely important to remember. We are going home, chances are we are going home to more privileged, a more privileged environment, each of us, mm-hmm. than many of the environments that surround Hofstra's campus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are, you know, like when we go out into the community, when we go out to Target or like go out to like, you know, like a Savers or even just like to like a local restaurant here. I think it's extremely important that the people we are coming in contact with who actually live in the Hempstead community don't, might not have the resources that we do in order to keep themselves healthy. And so we need to also protect the community we live in just as much as we need to protect the people who are on this campus. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was somewhere else I was going with that, but I forgot, so I'm just going to put it there. It's so true. Again, the community outside of Hofstra was hit so hard it was by the pandemic and it we have a responsibility to try and decrease that harm and that risk uh, by keeping ourselves and others safe and again i think there's this idea of we just have to accept this and keep living our lives but some people don't have that privilege Uh, And there are a lot of people we've lost that we didn't have to lose. And I guarantee that without you even knowing it, uh, there's someone in your life, in your network, who lost someone or whose life has been permanently altered in some way. Uh, And we just don't need to continue that legacy we've been going again we've been going at this for two years we know what we need to do to keep ourselves and others safe Uh, and if there's something that I can do to ensure that myself my loved ones and everyone in my community uh, can be just even a little bit safer I'm gonna take that Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm gonna wear my mask because I've been doing it for two years and um, I'm going to keep doing it to try and keep people safe Wearing a mask is never going to do you harm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't understand that whole argument of, like, you know, like, I have asthma or I have this or that and, like, I can't wear a mask. It's like, 
yes you can that's been proven um there's also you know like like you keep saying we've been at this for two years you would think that we would have it together by now you would think that everyone in our community would not want this to go on any longer than it needs to and we would all be rallying together to wear masks keep each other safe you know do all the things we know what we're supposed to do you know but but we're we're not doing it a lot of people still aren't doing it and that's why this is still happening this is why this is still an issue a lot of countries have solved this we solved it but we just haven't put that plan into action yet we haven't been able to as a country push towards you know a more normal uh, life going back to as normal as it can possibly be and we're never going to get back to what it was before covid a, a pandemic changes things but you know we can hopefully we'll be able to get it together as a country enough to you know mm-hmm. get things back to as close to before the pandemic as possible and it takes all of us to get there it does and so i urge anyone that's listening before you decide to walk out of your home, your dorm, uh, and into a business without a mask, and uh, if by any chance in the future or upon the release of this episode, mask wearing in classrooms and academic settings becomes optional, I just urge you to sit here for just a second and reflect on who you might be impacting outside of yourself, who you might be sitting next to in class, uh, the lives they lead and the people they're connected to, uh, and who you might be encountering in the community, and uh, the professors that you might be impacting. Who are you surrounding yourself with and how might they be influenced by your decision and impacted? Yeah. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Spilling the Tea with CCE. Please make sure to follow us on our social media and also our blog. And uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you have it available, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or I think we're on Google too and other platforms. I think we're available on all platforms. And, you know, make sure to follow us for more exciting episodes and more important conversations. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in continuing the conversation and learning more about Hofstra's Center for Civic Engagement, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hofstra CCE or visit our website at hofstra.edu CCE. The beautiful music you've heard in this episode was written and composed by Ethan Tauber. This song even features the chords C, C, and E. We hope you join us again to discuss combating more of our world's most pressing challenges. And thank you for helping us spill the tea.